1: What's up everyone? We will let you guys uh trickle in talking through uh today we're going to be spending time talking through the franchise tag situation around the NFL kind of t- it really starts a 2 week window of you know players that can that can hit the market here andrew and, and this is the first uh tip of the iceberg sort of thing here as as the NFL really gets going with their offseason. We heard today uh there was a rather lengthy list of guys who um, if they were not franchise or um uh, if they if they did not have a new contract would convert some money over to dead cap. I'm not sure if you saw that Andrew but some significant names were on that list including Mike Evans leaving behind a pretty healthy chunk of money. I know the Browns are not in position to um, be doing anything on their own roster, but it feels like there's something looming here. And I think we talked about it a little earlier on, That's going to come out in the podcast soon, is Jeremiah Moa might be the first candidate we have for this sort of thing, right? I, I mean, this is the closest we'll have seen the Browns to maybe potentially. I mean, they've worked all this stuff out but this is the first one that could have that situation, right? Or am I, am I missing someone there?
2: That's the first one that comes to mind for me. Uh, I think it, 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 but you often don't see certain types of franchises end up in these situations, right? So I think that's also just kind of part of the way that the Browns have decided to manage their cap and, and they see the advantage of signing contracts early rather than waiting because you can push money out further, right? With the longer contract. So when you're in, franchise tag territory now you're making decisions for the next year living year to year it's what the the Cowboys for example do it's what the uh to a certain extent what the Saints do uh, although they don't really have ever enough cap space to, to tag anybody anymore but but it's it's more reactive and I think it's a it's a different type of philosophy the Browns tend to be where they you know as as our colleague Jack Duffin has explained multiple times they're making decisions far out into the future so Um, This is something that we watch more as observers right now. And really, the main point of interest is if a few players that the Browns might be interested in signing, uh, somehow something maybe unforeseen happens and those players maybe become available in a way that we weren't expecting. Of course, last year, the drama was around Lamar Jackson. Turned out to be uh, much ado about nothing because the the league colluded to Mm -hmm. not offer him a contract. Uh, But I think, you know, I, I think... There's, I think there's a, a limited chance that maybe one of a few players, whether it's Justin Matabike or T. Higgins or Michael Pittman or um, Christian Wilkins in Miami, might break loose and and decide not to. to you know, the team might decide not to tag them and the extension talks might fall apart. You, you don't know. So, it, it most importantly, it makes marks the first step of the offseason. And so we start to get a sense of where teams' plans are headed as they transition from wrapping the season up to heading to Indianapolis uh for the combine and and that's where rumors about what's going to happen in in 2024 really start to fly so it's we're kind of turning turning a page into the new league year it's exciting
1: it is it is exciting to get into the new league year we talked about over the weekend it was pretty quiet almost like the first one the NFL decided to to really uh take off and have no news except for our our uh presidential floating quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo decided to to make some news, but it was a pretty quiet weekend. So um, what we're going to do guys is uh, pull up kind of uh, position by position, uh, how much these guys are going to make if they're tagged. So we're going to have that information for you. And then we're also going to put what we know about the team's financial situation. Right. So we'll have some stuff on that here a little bit, and then we'll talk through whether we think the Browns would ultimately be interested in these guys as well. Right. So there's also, you know, some some chatter and buzz that's out there about whether these teams will do it or not. The one that comes to mind for me last year Andrew, I feel like we were closely paying attention to this was you talked about Lamar, but from a Browns acquisition standpoint, I think it was Deron Payne that we were sort yes. of most interested yeah. in seeing if he would become available, which he ultimately did not become available, so the Browns turned the page and we know some of the others they went to, but yeah, let's let's get to digging in here. I want to I want to just um make sure I have the Write photos to load up here, and then we will talk through each of these. So, uh, which of if you're looking at the cost of these, which is the most uh, the one that's hard? I actually saw before we do that I, something came to mind. I saw today that Chris Jones is not likely to be a candidate because although it's 19 million for a tag for defensive tackle, his previous salary because of the one year deal they struck made it more difficult or something like that. So, Chris Jones will actually not be on this list. And it seems like it's, uh, abundantly clear that he is going to be becoming uh, a free agent. One that we've talked about is going to be rather, uh, rather spicy, but nonetheless, looks like he's going to become a free agent. So, um, just wanted to note that let's, um, let's pull up some of these as we get them. So the first one is going to be Bryce Huff. All right. So, uh, Bryce Huff out of New York, New York has a bid with, with their, some of their recent draft acquisitions, Will McDonald, Uh, I believe before that they had was a Jalen Johnson, the other edge they took out of Florida State, I think could be wrong about that one. But they have uh, a pretty clogged edge situation. So I'm not sure entirely if they're going to be pursuing, um, you know, Jalen in this or sorry, Bryce Huff in this regard. I don't know. What's the number on edge? Andrew, do you have that in front of you?
2: Yeah, the the number for edge rusher is 20 basically, right, just over 20, 20.2. So uh, it's pretty steep, but certainly not prohibitive for the right type of player. The, the problem with Huff is that he was a rotational player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played played less than 50% of snaps for the Jets, uh, played 42% of snaps. Do you want to spend that much money for a guy? Like you mentioned, they've got Jermaine Johnson, the kid out of Florida State. They've got Jermaine Will McDonald, Jones. the kid out of Iowa State. Right. So they have... I have other young talent at that position. Do you want to spend that much money on a player who uh, you're not getting that long-term deal done? I think this is an interesting one because I could see it going either way. I could see them saying, we're not going to be able to replace his production on the open market for less than twenty million million a year, but you could also see them. I mean, they're in a little bit of a bind too because of, you know, the, some of the stuff that they've done with the, all the free agents that Aaron Rodgers has requested. Yep. Some people think they're gearing up to try and make a move for De- Devonte Adams, which would obviously affect their cap situation. So, this is one I'm I'm watching. I don't think that the Browns necessarily would be interested in Bryce Huff. I wouldn't rule it out, but I don't think he's probably at the top of their list because he feels to me he feels like a real one one to one for Obo Okoronkwo. Right?
1: Yeah, he put together a really good season. You're talking 67 pressures, 10 sacks, 12 hits, 45 pressures. So, right time to be doing this kind of thing when you look at the rest of their team, right, they they still want to be able to create disruption in the pass rush. I, I am I have not heard much buzz connecting him to, to getting this tag. And if you look at some of the predictions for what pro football focus has for some of these guys, I like to make sure to let you know what the contract prediction would be uh, if they were to be signed. You're looking at Bryce Huff, three years, 50 million, so like a 16.67 number. If you're the Jets, do you think it's worth just kind of closing that gap and saying lock him in and then work on a long-term deal? He's 25, not quite 26 yet, going to be 26 soon. I wouldn't be surprised if they did this one, but their their cap is a little, uh, like you said, is a little interesting.
2: Yep, I think it's a question. I think it's a question for them to decide which way they want to go and how they feel about the other players that are, that are on the roster at that position, Will McDonald becoming – more of a starter would be a, a stretch but something i could see them doing to save money and use it elsewhere it, it, it this will this will definitely be a not for sure one you know at this point i guess this is a maybe
1: yeah so simple restructure for the jets can get them to 71 million in cap space so certainly possible but it would tighten the waistband for them uh going out and improving some of those other positions so it doesn't feel like it's a uh Doesn't feel like it's a lock on that one. We would say up in the air. But would the Browns be interested if he hits the market? I think there'd be some interest. There'd be some calling. We'll see, right? Um, Type of edge you'd be uh, at a young age. You'd like to get in free agency if you can. Christian Wilkins is next. So first round pick 2019. Put together a really strong season. Nine and a half sacks this year. Um, Miami a little strapped for cash currently at 51 over the cap. Let's check their restructure ability. The Dolphins are, um, yeah, they're in, they're in tough shape, but they can get through restructure a possible cap space of like twenty nine million. They could, you know, maximum restructure could get up to seventy six million, but that's uh, that's tight, man. And what's the number for defensive tackle? Twenty. Yeah, I I don't envision this one happening. I, I, I really think they don't. have to
2: sign him to a deal if he's yeah. going to stay. I think they have to. They and I think. The reporting that I've read is that he wants to stay there. You know, he's he's a, a an influential part of that team. I think that it's a team that seems like from everything we've heard about Mike McDonald, seems like they're fun to play for. So I, I don't I, I can see him re-signing, but I think it would have to be a true extension because the other thing that would allow would be more cap flexibility because they could push all of his his larger numbers into the future years. Where I don't think a franchise tag, if you tag him that that hit all comes onto this cap, so they would be restructuring all those contracts to get that twenty nine million dollars, and then giving twenty of it to Christian Wilkins. That's barely enough to even conduct business. So I, I I don't think they can tag him.
1: No, I don't. I don't think so either. So that makes things a little dicey for them. I know that they have um, some other options along that that defensive line that they've signed, and they 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 don't you know necessarily feel his loss would end the ability for them to play effective defense along their interior, but nonetheless, a really good player. And you don't like to let first round picks who developed into 61 pressures this last year, 10 sacks, 17 quarterback hits and 34 hurries, 34 stop tackles. Those are some really strong interior numbers. And like I said, they have made some moves. They did a great job uh, in acquiring uh, Zach who has been a nice piece for them along their interior also had 60 pressures, but you're talking about like Raekwon Davis, who I think is also a free agent. They're going to have some drafting to do to make up for that. The, the, if things get really tight there. So I would predict that one does not go into that. And you're right, Andrew, it is a uh, a guy who hits the market. If he does hit the market, are you swinging big for him? Or is this just too far out of the Browns realm? Because you're probably talking at 20 million a year.
2: Yeah, I think I think there's going to be other teams interested. I think the Browns would have to really push. And I don't think there's enough room for that price with Dalvin Tomlinson still on the team for, for sure, I think two more years. So th- I think that feels like a bridge too far, but it's fun to think about. I, I really like him as a player.
1: Yeah. This is a, a reminder of, you know, drafting five years. If a guy's 23, you draft out five years, accepting that fifth year option. He's, he's 28. He's going to play this year, 28 and a half. So that does kind of show you why the team teams trend as young as possible is the difference between going on the market at 28 and a half and difference between 26. Right. So uh, just something to consider uh, when you're talking about your top line uh, sort of value of your guys that you're investing the most in. All right. Next up is again. there's not a ton of these, but there's enough guys that matter here that you, that there's some good talking points to have Kyle Duggar, another guy who is uh, at least to me, one of one of the better unheard of defenders in the NFL. He's been hidden. In New England, on some teams that have not been the most dynamic, he is himself though a pretty dynamic player. I don't think he had a very good twenty twenty three. Most of that team did not, but I still think he's a pretty intriguing piece. They have him predicted at sixteen million. Is that because they think that there's a franchise tag here? I think it is. Yeah, sixteen point
2: two for safeties.
1: So they think he they're going to keep him around on the tag. That's probably smart considering he's going to be twenty eight soon. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if Duggar were to hit the market, Swiss Army knife type of player, man, you're talking a guy that plays a whole bunch of different positions, can get down in the slot, the box. He's played like true corner for them at times. A really dynamic player out of Lenore Ryan of all places when he was drafted, second round pick 37. Um, but again, another again, an example here of a player, again, who's a little older when drafted, and this is the age 28, and you're kind of like, you know, because the Pats have enough money here. I don't even need to look up their structure of salary cap. They're fine on the salary cap. It's just, again, like finding a sweet spot for a player close to 30 can be a little tricky.
2: Right. And do you want to try and sign him to a long-term deal? Do you want to franchise tag to buy one more season and then transition to a different player? But, you know, part of the question for some of these teams is what the strategy will be. As you said, New England can definitely afford it. It's, do they do they view him as, I would assume, they view him as sort of one of their, linchpins to build around uh, and so they want him back probably long term so you want to avoid franchise tagging a player that you want f- to be there for the next three or four years you want to instead get that longer term deal done this is one that I'm surprised he's not already under contract frankly like yeah we, we talked I-, I mentioned earlier Andrew Barry working ahead w- why would this extension not have gotten done last summer or during the season last year What what's wrong with Kyle Duggar when you're a team like the Patriots it has plenty of money is there something he doesn't do well?
1: It's a good question. I, I think he's a pretty well-rounded player. Maybe he didn't play as well as they hoped this year, and that kind of caused them to not go to the table. And it's a new coach, obviously.
2: Right, there. a lot of change. Yeah, but so, still, so maybe Geron some Mayo's of that. A, with...
1: Mayo's a big part of it, though. He was right. on you know, that defense. Right. Uh, I don't maybe, know.
2: But maybe Bill Belichick being half out the door all season meant that he was less interested in con- continuing future business in the same way that he would if he knew he was going to be there long term.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a good point. I, I, I definitely see them doing it for a year we'll see it's interesting it's a good pay increase for him the patriots are at like 60 million they can easily get to 78 million and then if they wanted to go max restructures they could get to 108 million so they will be serious players in the free agency realm not the usual route those guys go but this is something that they are trying to do probably to fill some gaps and give the young quarterback that they select uh, as good a team around them as they possibly can
2: absolutely brutal choice of picture here by the way uh yeah sorry for those listening on the podcast it's a Clear interception return by uh, Kyle Duggar during a uh, Browns game. From I believe
1: year. that was one uh, that Baker handed to him a few years back. Okay, a few I years think. ago. Yeah. Yep. Great. All right. Next is uh, a guy that listen in a dream world, we'd love to have Justin Matabike be available. Really would love him to be available. Again, it's uh twenty million. I think Andrew is is what you said right for yeah, uh, right. interior defender. So he's predicted to get a four year, ninety two million dollar contract, sixty and a quarter guaranteed 23 million average on the year spicy man really good player as we know the ravens cap is you know it's not uh it's not bad but it's not the healthiest they sit in effective cap space right now just over a million they can restructure 45 and get to 46 million in simple restructure if they wanted to get real spicy and maximum restructure they could get to 72 million so they could handle the the long-term deal here but again it is a new defensive coach. It's a new defensive structure a little bit here. I wonder if they're going to be committed to paying him that much money. I don't know. I mean, I know I would want to keep him around almost no matter what it took, right? Um, but but I, I, I'm interested to see what they do here. I think it's going to be very telling because this would be the, the biggest commit they have to the defensive line. They've drafted like OA and some others, but they have not given those guys second contracts. So this would be a big signing for them.
2: I th- it feels necessary to me. I, I don't, you know, they, I, as far as I know, I, I think Marlon Humphrey's getting paid a fair amount, but they don't have a ton of big contracts on the defensive side of the ball. I think he has to be the next guy in line here. Oh, Roquan Smith, I guess would be the other big number. Um, sure. Yeah. I, I just, I don't see how they don't do this. This is, this to me is in the same class as T Higgins with the Bengals, which we'll get to, but it's, it just doesn't make any sense for the Ravens to not at least franchise tag him. I think they. I'm, I would be certain knowing how well run that organization is that they're working on a long term deal. Even if they have to use the tag, you know, they, they could eventually tear that up and give them the extension.
1: Yeah. He's, he went from 13 pressures in his second year to 32 in 2022 and then 77 and 15 sacks last year, 19 hits on the quarterback, 43 hurries. This is an example of development curve that it takes with defensive tackles in the league but boy he found at 42 stop tackles he's just over 26. It's got to be a deal here to be had for him. It'd be really hard to let him walk out the door. I expect whatever needs to be done if they can't get it done in the 2-week window they will eventually get that one done.
2: So that's a predicted yeah. Yes. And and it's worth throwing in there. We've talked about it on a few other shows on the podcast like uh if he's available and hits the market I this is one I would be more, way more interested in extending, the Browns extending themselves to sign him than Christian Wilkins. He's two over two years younger. Yep, he's, he's a better player. Plus, you're hurting a division rival. Uh, this, this to me would be a slam dunk signing, but I, I very much doubt it becomes possible.
1: Next one, as we have, is T. Higgins, a guy that we have thought would be tagged. Um, the prediction of uh, uh, from PFF is that there is a franchise tag here that will happen at 20 million, just over 20. Is it 20.7? Andrew, is that what you're seeing on your side? Yeah. Okay. So the Bengals do have the cap space to get a deal done here. Let's be clear about that. They have a currently 53 in the effective cap space. They could create 30 more in simple restructures to get to 83. They could get all the way up to 114 max restructuring. I understand Jamar Chase is looming for them like that's another big one that has to happen but who else am i missing on the Bengals that has to get a contract
2: no it's these three yeah
1: that's why i don't really know why they can't get this done now obviously we talked about dj reader right but i mean i don't know i feel like you could maybe finagle these two contracts between him and chase to have those two the like chunkiest cap hits hit different years or something I don't know. It just feels like they got to get this done. They cannot. Yeah. They can't let him walk.
2: Looking at their list of free agents, uh, Jonah Williams, who is their right tackle, is is a free agent. Tyler Boyd, the other wide receiver, uh, Chadobia Owuizie, and you mentioned DJ Reader. Those are kind of the big numbers at the top there. Um, those those five players, six players. So, and then and then Higgins. So it it there is pressure on them. I, I think if you were to re- re-sign all of those players, you would be at or around where they want to be cap-wise because they're not a restructure team, right? Nope. They, they are very much in the, we will pay these guys when we are required to contractually and, and not sooner than that because we don't want to hand anybody cash that we don't have. So that, that I think is the answer is that they cannot continue to retain the rest of a team. If they're paying burrow chase and Higgins, uh, their fair share because they won't go as far above the cap as the Browns are, for example. I think that's the, that's the reality of the situation. So then it becomes a question of choosing obviously. And I think that Jamar Chase is the, is the choice that they're going to make. So it, it then, you know, creates a real interesting situation here. Do you franchise him and try and trade him knowing that he probably will not be back next season? Do you, how does T Higgins feel about playing on the franchise tag for a year? Because some, some players don't love it because if you get hurt in October or November or December as a wide receiver uh, uh, of your franchise tag year, your earnings on the next year, it's one thing if you're a quarterback, but if you're a wide receiver, your earnings will be impacted for that next season. So there's no guarantee that even if he gets franchised and then they hand chase an extension before uh, next season or into next season, how does that make him feel? I think that there's, there's some real interesting questions here, and I, I, the the thing with Cincinnati has always been, you you hit a few draft picks, you're in a good position, you get Burrow signed to the long term deal. Does how at what point does the ownership's inability to spend money like other NFL teams? It's still very real. At what point does that hamstring them? I think this is where we're starting to see it because some of these free agents are going to walk. And I think long-term, they can't get an extension done for for Higgins, and they have to tag him this year, hope that they can win a bunch and and then see what happens.
1: Yeah, I was looking at this because if you sign, like I was thinking, if you sign Chase to a really big first two-year extension and then soften the back half of that extension, Jamar Chase has this last year of his rookie deal coming up, then the fifth year option, which is going to be like 20 million because he's been to the Pro Bowl. And then you're like, okay, could we have two like a year in between where these two both have chunky 20 million plus cap hits? And then then Jamar's pickup, right? Because like when Jamar signs the extension, you know, he's got the fifth year option, then the extension kicks in. So I'm just like wondering if there's a way that they can make this all work. Where they're not having too many years of both of those guys being heavier cap hits. It's something to consider because the guy's 25. Yeah, like hitting on wide receiver is hard enough. And then hitting on a second round wide receiver who's just 25 is really hard to let walk. Now they're not going to let him walk. They are going to tag him and trade him ultimately, but I'm just saying it's 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 tricky to trade these guys. Is somebody gonna give up a first round pick for a guy they have to then pay 20 million to? That's always tricky some team probably will but i'm but i'm just kind of getting at the dynamics are not always as easy as we think they are and maybe the bengal's can find a way to do it i don't think he hits the market i think pro football focus has has that one uh, correct that that he's going to be tagged right so that's t higgins uh, next is an, a name that i think we're we're interested in here andrew which is jonathan grenard who is you know if you're looking at again pass rushers opposite miles He does have some like thinner build Okoronkwo feel to the, to the, to the like player he is obviously having a Texans uniform also plays into that a little bit, but he's talented man. And he's a really, uh, an an interesting pass rusher, very wiry and like just plays electric. Like he's always playing so hard. He's not Zadarius Smith type strong side edge, but, He's he brings a dynamic pass rush to, you know performance to the to the table here, and I think he's one that I I think teams will be interested in. I don't know if he's worth the twenty million dollar number uh, that this that this uh, position will have. So I'm I'm curious if they if they make this decision to do it. It's not like the Texans are hurting for money in any way, shape, or form. I mean they're they're one of the teams that are going to be sitting pretty healthy here in terms of like effective cap space. Let me make sure I got him right. They're sitting at 51 right now. They can simple restructure to 83, max to 106. They have the money, and they're years away from dealing with Will Anderson or Tank Dell and a couple years still on Nico Collins. Actually, I think only one more year. Nico's going to need to be paid. He, he had a couple years with bad quarterback play. So, yeah, I mean, I guess just Nico and then the others that are kind of their their big names are years away. So I I don't know that they'll tag him, but I think they could tag him just to get a deal done here.
2: Yep, this feels a lot like Kyle Duggar to me in terms of a team that can definitely afford to play, sorry to pay a young player who is coming up uh, through through the the years and and a player that has really earned a, a, an extension. So that I like with Duggar, I would view it as a sort of organizational failure if you can't get a long term deal done with this player before free agency, like having to use the tag it doesn't make a ton of sense on a player that I don't know why the Texans wouldn't want to pair him and Will Anderson together for the next five, 10 years, right? Like it, it seems like a slam dunk.
1: It was a third round pick, pick 90 in the 2020 draft. Finally hit his stride last year. He at 27 pressures his second year. I think he got hurt. His third year was dinged up, didn't play a ton. And then 53 pressures, 14 sacks, 28 hurries, 37 stop tackles. And, a really strong 9.3 percent run stop rate, which is which is great for great for that position. So yeah, I I don't I don't know that he hits the market. Don't think he should. Three years, sixteen mil per year is the number. Forty eight mil. If he does, I'm interested. I'm
2: calling for sure. I I think that's it's an interesting question about how the Browns see their defensive line construction because since Andrew Barry has been here, he has really favored the the player opposite Miles, who's the strong side. Edge to be a bigger player, right? Uh, 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 it was Jadavian Clowney was the sort of apple of his eye for a while, right? And then he drafted Alex Wright, and then Zadarius Smith, who's definitely in that mold. Uh, Grenard, like you said before, doesn't really match that. Would the Browns be interested? Would they feel comfortable knowing that the defensive tackle position has kind of been beefed up a little bit to put a little bit less size on the edges, specifically to try and win more? Pass rush situations. It's not like Grenard is bad against the run, right? So, and Okoronkwo wasn't last year either. These guys, it's not, they're not zeros out there, but it would, it would be a little bit of a change from how AB has kind of wanted to build this with one of those guys on the edge being like a real 270, 280 type guy. Yeah. If you sign
1: Grenard, you can't re sign Zadarius. So he would, he would be out. You'd let him walk, right? Just want to kind of clear that up. All right. Next is, I think it's Michael Pittman who PFF thinks they will. Uh, Also be tagging for the Colts. So, uh, again, another 20.7 tag. Uh, The Colts have a lot of money. They're not in any way, shape, or form hurting. I think they're like fifth in effective cap space at 54, simple restructure to 82, max 128. Josh Downs is a promising receiver for them, youngster, but like Alec Pierce hasn't hit. They they need Pittman to lead that room. I, I see absolutely no way that they don't, if they don't get a deal done in the next two weeks, that they don't at least slap a tag on him and try to work it out. He's he's just over 26 and is um, not, you know, he's not a, a top tier number one, but he's a one he's a, he's a back end one, you know, and I, I see him in a, like a little, a little lower than T Higgins, but, but a very similar type of vertical route tree player who can, who can surprisingly run away from you as well. And and I think he's very dynamic at the catch point. I, I like him a lot. If he, Again, if you're talking about a fantasy world where these guys hit the market, yeah, like that's a guy that I would be all about pursuing this offseason.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. By saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. It's only a
1: kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with Killer deals. And their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view, which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money. Right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that Game Time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
2: You know, Anthony Richardson going into his second season, barely played for Indianapolis. You cannot let his best target walk out the door when you're trying to bring along a young quarterback. So it, this seems like a must for me, another player where it's unclear why he's not been extended. I guess this one makes a little bit more sense. The Colts have been such a mess the past few years and then started to show some promise this year. I remember the Jonathan Taylor holdout was largely premised around the idea that, that the the Colts had this really idiotic rule after last season going so poorly that they weren't going to extend anybody. And so
1: total sense there.
2: Yeah, it's, it's nuts. I mean, that, the organization has not stopped being poorly run just because Shane Steichen is a pretty good head coach. So yeah, that that is going to continue to be their Achilles heel. Did that burn a bridge here to the extent that they have to franchise tag him and he won't sign a long-term deal? I don't know. I will say, like, this is part of what happens when the window opens is you start to get these little glimmers of information about where these situations stand that I – uh, some of these have not really been reported that well. I, I couldn't find anything out about where things stand with Pittman and the Colts. No, it's been very
1: quiet. It's been very quiet. So you'll have to just presume on that one. Next is Josh Allen of the edge variety, the Jags. So um, I don't, I don't know that they think he's going to get tagged. I don't know that they're predicting it. Let me double check this real quick. They actually do have a tag label on him and PFF the same. Um, will come for Brian Burns as well. We'll get to him too, but Pittman, um, sorry, Josh Allen, uh, twenty-two point eight essentially is the number. Career highs and quarterback pressures at a whopping ninety. He came into his own this year. Nineteen sacks, twenty-point-five percent pass rush run rate among the league's best. He is going to get a, a big contract. Some variety from these guys. I don't. I don't feel like this is one that should be lingering all too long because I feel like the Jags are also in pretty good cap space situation. They are not. They're not okay. Let's double check that. Uh, they no, they're not. Where did they? Uh, Calvin Ridley and some others. I'm not mm-hmm. sure where they. Yeah. They, they they let it go so they can get to restructuring up to 60 million. They currently have seven million in the bottom third of the league in effective space right now. Can get to 60 simple restructures and then 94 with some possible uh, mass max restructures. So
2: yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not great. It's and not the funny great. thing is, you would think what well, what what's the big numbers they. Trevor Lawrence is still on his rookie deal.
1: Yeah. What are their big numbers? What am it's, I not it's remembering? It's that
2: free agent spending spree from two years ago. Their, their three biggest hits are Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherf, and Foye Aluakon. Oh boy. Yeah. It's ugly in Jacksonville, folks. Uh, that uh, Folo Fadakasi is down there. Cam Robinson, Rayshon Jenkins. I just, I just read, read their top six players. And then you get into like Darius Williams zay jones there are a bunch of bad players at the top of their salary cap so yeah they have to franchise tag josh allen because they have very little considering where they're at cap wise i don't think this roster is very talented i think that the jaguars are much closer to needing to blow things up in a in a pretty drastic way than people realize and so you know, th- this is something. Looking at these cap space numbers, Jake. I mean, obviously, with the restructures, they can get way out there. But, but, do you want to restructure some of these contracts? Do you want to restructure Sherf or Alouicam? Like, yeah, I don't and, think you and do. Add, you know, add add years to that. So, yeah. like, one of the things that's interesting here, from a Browns perspective, the teams at the at the low end of the spectrum in terms of if they do simple restructures, what cap space they can have. The Chargers the Broncos, the Steelers, the Bills, the Dolphins, right? And Mm -hmm. then I just mentioned what's going on with the Jags. The Ravens are down there. It's a lot of AFC teams that have been competitive with the Browns the past few years. People want to say that the Browns' cap space is not good, but they're sitting middle of the league in terms of what they can get to with these restructures. And there are other teams that don't have this flexibility. The Chargers, even if they go all in on their restructures, would still be 20 over the cap. So
1: that's, that's nuts, man.
2: There, in- and that GM just got another job exactly really quickly, right? Precisely, yeah. So, I, I do think that the Browns cap management stuff, which again, I, I mentioned Jack Duffin before, he does a great job writing about this at the OBR. The Browns, this is we're now in year five of this regime in terms of going to this offseason. This is where you're going to start to see the competitive advantage of this stuff pay off because the Browns despite having one of the most expensive rosters in the league, also have more cap flexibility than most teams in the league. So you're getting the best of both worlds right now with the Browns. And there are other teams that are very much suffering for not having the same sort of style of management. And I do think this is a year where it could give the Browns a competitive advantage, both in the free agent market and then once you get to the season. Because we mentioned before, teams like the Dolphins, the Broncos – to a certain extent are going to have to essentially stand pat because they, they can't afford to do the sorts of stuff that other teams that have free agency dollars are going to be able to do.
1: Well said, man.
2: And especially like
1: for our perspective, what we'll get into is we will do some um, conversations in the coming days about teams in this really crummy situation. We're going to look at the possible cut candidates on those teams and say, you know, should the Browns be interested in those guys? Because, like, a first name that comes up with Joe G. Philly did a great job pointing out, like a Calvin Ridley. Should the Browns be interested in a Calvin Ridley if he hits the market? There are going to be ramifications of these tags or these teams in bad situations, so then you got to look at, can the Browns take advantage of those? We will try to look into that for you. The next one we have is um, Super Bowl-winning Lajarius Sneed. Really, really nice player. Really nice player. Um, you know, the, the cost of the tag more than 18 million difficult for the chiefs to manage chiefs are at 12 million can restructure to 74 get to 109 max but the chris jones thing they want him back you're probably looking at north of 28 to 30 to get him back there's a possibility that they want to take a swing at receiver if they can mike evans could they go trade for stephon diggs there's some routes that they could go um you know sneed probably gets tagged but it's possible he gets to the market at 27 andrew He's, they're projecting him in pff not getting tagged getting three years 17 and a half so 52 million total and 35 million guarantees but but a really nice player i mean you're talking about a guy who's played over a thousand uh, eleven hundred snaps three straight years effective as a rusher in 2022 kind of coming out of that Slot corner role, he could he could handle that. He played a lot of slot his first three years. Then he went outside last year and had a really strong season. You know, he only gave up 500 yards in coverage for the entire season on 102 targets. He had a couple interceptions and 12 pass breakups So, someone could get a talented player here if the Chiefs can't bring him back.
2: This is where the hometown deal, essentially, that Pat Mahomes signed is such a huge advantage for the Chiefs because he's got these. He's got these mammoth roster bonuses uh, on his contract over these few years, where it's it's thirty five million dollars. So they convert that and he's to a signing bonus. And the way that that works is it's spread over the rest of the cap or the rest of his contract. So it's spread over future years and it reduces his current year cap number. And all of a sudden they've got all this extra cap space. So I think the Chiefs do have the ability to bring Chris Jones and Le'Jarius Snead back if they want to get aggressive with the way they handle some of their existing contracts, the restructure stuff we're talking about. And I think that's probably the way they're going to do it. The way that those guys were talking post-Super Bowl about a three-peat and what they want to do. I th- I think that this feels like a, they're in the middle of just being all in and they don't want to lose any of these guys. So I would not be surprised if Chris Jones signs a deal. You you rightly mentioned the the language in his contract, which I yeah, wasn't aware of previously that allows him to basically avoid the franchise tag. So mm-hmm. they'll have the tag available for Sneed. If they can get a deal done with Jones, they could bring the band back and and then, like you said, potentially add a wide receiver too. It's a, you know, it's a bummer. At some point you hope that some of these decisions will become harder for them. But like <laughs> I said, that Pat Mahomes did the Tom Brady for the Chiefs and it, it's a, it's a, <laughs> The Browns are dealing with the exact opposite, where they have to, even though they can restructure Watson's money, the, the contract was fully guaranteed, which means it's it <laughs> they don't have a ton of flexibility in the way that the Chiefs do with Mahomes. Plus, Mahomes is obviously the best quarterback in the league and will be for the foreseeable future, yep. whereas Watson is you know, what he is. So you end up in this situation where you can very comfortably do what you want with Pat Mahomes' deal for the next decade Which makes it's a it's a built-in advantage. And and here's the other thing a fair market deal for Pat Mahomes would probably be what double the contract of the next guy below him because of how much better he is. If he was on if he was a free agent and all 32 teams could bid, he would sign a fully guaranteed 15 million, you know, 15 year deal worth a hundred million dollars I I would
1: be fascinated to know what that is.
2: Like I, I mean fully
1: guaranteed 500 million, like where, where do you think it goes? I I think that's
2: probably in the neighborhood for like, yeah, yeah, for like ten eight ten 10 years, something like that. And, but maybe he'd want fewer years and more money to, to hit it again. But this is where, when you know your best position is with the team that drafted you and the coach that is, you know, one of the best in the league, you're, you're basically bulletproof. And then the team becomes bulletproof by association.
1: Yeah. And then you get those contract extensions because you know, you're going to keep signing them to deals. So you can keep putting it down the road, down the road, down the road. And the Browns don't know that they don't know if they're extending Watson. So it's trickier. <laughs> it's really tricky. All right. Next we have a couple running backs. So we're going to go Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley, who are the two, I, we can just kind of cover both of these guys uh, together. I think it was 12 million was the number last year. They were both tagged. Um the, let's kind of cover where both franchises are with the cap. The Raiders are healthy, 30 million in effective cap space, 92 possible, simple, and then 112 with maximum restructures. The Giants, not as healthy at 11 million, 78 in restructures, 97 in possible cap space. They're dealing with Daniel Jones. I feel like there's a chance the Jacobs deal gets done and Barkley doesn't, but the cap is still so friendly that I feel like these guys might get tagged again because it's like we said it's it's one of the 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 worst thing for running backs. They can't get big extensions and they're going to get stuck with the with the tag and the tag is even not what it could be or should be for the top tier running backs getting tagged and it's it's just a really unfortunate situation for both of those guys, man. So um let's let's just double check what Pro Football Focus has to say about them. Um uh, they're predict- predicting three years, 12 and a quarter for Saquon, 36 total, 20 million guaranteed. So they're not predicting the tag for either of them, but I feel like the tag's in play again because Jacobs is only 26 and Saquon's only 27 and and they're still, you know, they're still pretty good football players here that, that maybe you don't want to just let walk away.
2: Right. I think the the question here is are either of these players interested in a long term deal with their teams? Because, if they're not, they probably get tagged. I think the only other solution I could see is that if Jacobs or Barkley would be willing to sign a you know two- or three-year deal and get a little bit more security than just the tag for less money. But yeah, this, this is emblematic of the running back conversation, which is good news for everybody because that means we get to have the same old argument about running back compensation whenever these tags are handed out to these players, and it'll be just as frustrating as usual, trust me. No doubt, man.
1: No doubt. All right. So we're going to close with a couple uh, names that kind of fall in line with what we spoke about. I can't believe a deal didn't get done. Jalen Johnson is the first one up here. Who's a really, uh, a really nice player. I mean, the Browns played the bears and (laughs) you could see it. He was all over routes. He has really broke out in a great way. Best year. He was one of the top graded corners according to pro football focus, but I mean, the coverage stuff is whatever to me, you can just tell. And and like he popped on film around the football, sniffing out routes um, and came into his own. They're expecting a franchise tag. It's 18.8 million. Um, the bears went buck wild in free agency last year, but they still have a lot of money available. 54 million puts them in fourth in the current effective cap space market for the NFL. Uh, they could get to one Oh nine with simple restructures because last year they signed like Tremaine, edmonds and some others they could get to 128 and possible restructure so i mean the bears got to get this one done they, they got to figure out how to get this one done you can't minimize contract value for corners you just can't you got to yeah. pay them this, the,
2: and this is where you start to get into bad franchise danger zone territory right because he wants to get paid no doubt but he wants and deserves guarantees like yeah. multi-year guarantees and he's probably also thinking what the open market could do for that bidding war rather than what Chicago would give him and thinking about what it would be like to play on other teams and all those sorts of things. And so you you get into a danger zone here where if you're not able to get this deal done and then he does play under the franchise tag and is a little bit disgruntled next year and then goes and signs a big contract elsewhere, that's where you get the vicious cycle of it's very hard to build a team when your best players don't want to play for you.
1: Yeah, they gotta get. They gotta get. The messaging has got to be right. They're they're about to draft a quarterback more than likely. They gotta get that deal done. All right, only a couple more. Um, we mentioned Brian Burns earlier. He's expected to get tagged. Uh, another team in the Panthers who should they're they're okay. Not as good as you would hope for a team uh, coming off some decisions that they've made. Twenty four effective right now, but can get to seventy and can get to one hundred two. I feel like Brian Burns' name has been out there forever, dating back to like the rumored two first round picks offerings from the Rams his name has been out there uh, in perpetuity. So uh, you're talking about if they did not resign him and he went out into the market, uh, you're, I mean, you're probably looking at over 20 million for him. Uh, you're looking at 22.7 or sorry. You're probably looking at like 23 and a half, 24. So I, I don't think there's any doubt that they, they get this deal done. He's only 20. He's not 26 yet. So, I mean, I think it's a, it's a deal that quite simply the, the, they'll tag it and, ride it out until the deal is done what do you think andrew
2: yeah it's the same thing as with the bears you, you have to tag this player you cannot let them leave but also does the player want to stay would he rather play on the tag and and push the panthers into a difficult decision next year yeah uh and and see if he can get to free agency because that's that's where these guys get the, the most money every time 57,
1: 51, 68, and then um, last year, snaps went down a little bit. He had 40 pressures, but pretty consistent football player. Really good. Uh, if it takes a couple of years, a couple of tags, he would hit free agency at 28, 20, 28, possibly latest 29. So, right,
2: could still get a big paycheck. Could still get a big paycheck. And he's
1: going to get, I mean, three straight years of tags if that's the worst-case scenario, 60-plus 60, 60 million. So there you go. Um, yeah, last one we have is Antoine Winfield, which I've seen some strong buzz that the Bucks are going to – uh, the Bucks are going to bring him back. Uh, you know, it's working out a deal it's tricky. I think that the deal for Delpit kind of gave them a blueprint. Obviously, Winfield is just an all-pro, very connected to Delpit because he was drafted, I believe, right after Grant. So uh, just listen, he's a really good football player. I think Grant's a really good football player, and I think Winfield's a little bit better. I think he's 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 a better football player. So does it mean – um, the Browns made a mistake and Achilles tear probably messes with the timeline of all that stuff. It's, it is what it is. I think that both teams have good football players. The Bucks are at 28, effectively 29. They can restructure to 98. You know, they got to get Mike Evans done. I, I feel like I know today's deadline changes things a little bit there, but I, I, I would just but frankly like, such a franchise legend. I feel like they can get him done. They got to figure out quarterback, um, as Baker Mayfield, that guy, they got some decisions to make, right. And, um, obviously they're going to have, uh, Wirfs contract too but like uh, i feel like this is one that gets done I don't, I don't see any reason it wouldn't and i don't think the safety number is going to be too crazy is it i don't i don't know no. that in front of me
2: no it's it's not bad it is uh 16 like 16 yeah so it's yeah. it's it's doable probably would be a discount for a player like winfield uh yeah i think that the mike evans is definitely a name that i think a lot of people in cleveland are watching as a potential wide receiver option for the browns one that I think you and I would both be very excited about if it were to become possible Mm -hmm. uh, just in terms of how easy he makes life for a quarterback. I think we all saw the vivid illustration of that this year with Baker Mayfield. Mm -hmm. So uh, keeping one eye on that, but also a player that would obviously be highly coveted in the league if he were to reach any sort of free agency. Um, This uh, wrapping this up, Jake brings me to my big question for the show, which is why does the franchise tag still exist?
1: I can't believe they didn't negotiate it out. I mean, I personally from a from a team that doesn't have a market that is huge. Right. I I don't hate it selfishly, but I can't believe the players can't get it out. I mean, I wonder what the – I mean, I, I, would, I would venture to say I'm certain that the players brought it up. I wonder what the owners put back on the table to combat that because – there's not a doubt once this sort of thing gets in the, in the works the same way with baseball and um, you know, the, that the owners have the power to or the, sorry, the players will never allow them to salary cap things because they want their guys to make as much money as possible. Once those things get into a CBA, they're impossible to get out. You right. have to give up something massive right. to get them out. So I just wonder if like the players have just said hands in the air, we can't get this out without. Maybe even, I don't even know, maybe the owners are laughing at them about getting it out. I I don't, I don't know what the, there's got to be some give and take there, right? Like there has to be some give and take to allow this to happen. And I wonder what that give and take is that works out in this way.
2: I would argue that the franchise tag does two things primarily, right? Number one, it protects incompetent organizations from not feeling the full effect of their bad decisions, right? Right. And as a result of that, it actually hampers competitiveness in the league because you artificially keep afloat certain organizations that would otherwise pay the price and suffer for not being able to retain talent. So it's it's a cudgel and it's it's a weapon that the teams can use because a player would rather negotiate with the one team that they're on knowing that they would otherwise be franchise tagged to get that guaranteed money over multiple years Than be forced to play, you know, years with no long term guarantee, which is the most important thing in the NFL because of the health of the players, right? So it it to me does not serve a purpose for the players. It only helps to protect bad owners, bad organizations, and it also makes the free agent period less interesting because that we just went through a show. If all of the players we just talked about were free agents in a month free agency would take another step to being even more engrossing. Can you imagine the bidding wars that would emerge for a player like Brian Burns, a true prime of his career pass rusher on a bad team that doesn't want anything to do with the Panthers and would love to go to the highest bidder. Think about last year with Lamar Jackson. If his immediate path to free agency was no franchise, no multiple years of franchise tags, no trying to work out a trade, just, You did your five years. There's nothing we can do to keep you. If you want to go to free agency, go to free agency. It makes the NFL a less enjoyable product by hampering the movement of only the best players, right? It's not like free agency where everybody eventually moves. Franchise tags only hold in place the best players. And I don't think that the little bit that you would get of being able to hold on to a player that doesn't want to be there as as an organization is worth it. In terms of e- quote unquote evening the playing field, for this to continue to be a thing, so I think that there's a you could make the argument that the NFL should be in favor of getting rid of it. Obviously, the players' association is desperate to get rid of it, and I think maybe the next CBA is the one where it finally goes.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty well said about like the types of teams that are using this because we're not just seeing like cash strap contenders. We're seeing, like you said, those teams that make those those mistakes that are putting them in the situation where they can't afford it. And we're rewarding them to go over the cap, essentially to do this, to keep these guys around. So yeah, I, I think there's definitely merit from both sides to, to get rid of it. I would love to hear why the NFL loves it because it is stuck around through multiple negotiation periods. So
2: yeah, well it, it depresses, I think it depresses salaries, right? Because you essentially get a hometown discount because you have exclusive negotiating rights with your free agents and, and your best free agents. So I think, I think uh, salaries would have much more upward pressure because you'd have a bidding war at every primary, uh, uh, I should say uh, priority position, quarterback, edge rusher, those positions would every year, there'd be a bidding war for whichever player was hitting free agency there. It's not to say that extensions wouldn't get done with drafted players. But they would get done with the teams that are willing to take care of their players, rather yeah. than the teams that know that they've got a club that they can use to get the player to do what they want.
1: Or at least, yeah, yeah, exactly right. You can hold them hostage, even if you're you're still giving them some money, but you're not giving you exactly. Know, you a, to be, <laughs> Josh Allen was right, really, on the market this year. I mean, what do you, what do you, thirty thirty million,
2: right, like, exactly. He would be he, well, the, and we know from the Deshaun Watson trade that the when the teams are forced to bid against each other. They, yeah, they'll go crazy. They will absolutely break records. That's what so made, it,
1: again, the, the Watson thing so spectacular to watch in real time was because it was the first, like,
2: mm-hmm. window
1: into what it would look like in a Wild West NFL exactly. free agency.
0: Right.
2: And I think that uh, my argument is that that would be, obviously it would be better for the players. I think it would be better for the league because there are teams that are not, you know, obviously baseball has this problem to a much larger extent. Sure. But there are NFL teams where the owners know if they keep their heads down and sign, a, you know, sign T. Higgins to a franchise tag or whoever, they can keep being an eight and nine, nine and eight team and not draw too much ire and and uh, disgust from the fan base because they're they're hanging around and then they're just printing money for themselves because they're not paying they're not paying nearly as much as other teams in the league that are actually trying to win.
1: We probably have no better evidence of them trying to keep franchise situations in check, the types of pl- ma- money players make in check than the Lamar Jackson stuff, right? So like exactly. Yep. That's where it gets um that's where it gets quite obvious what they're trying to do and why it was such an uncomfortable thing with Deshaun Watson, because it was negotiating straight with the agent about this stuff. There was nothing that like the NFL could do but the Texans wanted to get rid of him. It was really there's going to be stuff written someday on that Deshaun Watson stuff from just like the uniqueness of what it was. And it might be an example for someday when they do get rid of it, right? Like this is what it looks like. So good stuff, Andrew. Good point, man. Guys, thanks for hanging out. Most of you hung out for a while. We, if you missed at the beginning, um, you know, we talked about the, the, from a Browns perspective, we are going to go over potential cap casualties because of these guys being tagged. Once the, tag stuff starts to take place and we'll look through guys the browns could maybe pick um you know pick up on if if some guys are let go probably some veterans that have cap outs and stuff like that and then we also mentioned that the browns haven't been involved in the franchise tag for a while but if they do the only one that could be possible is jok next year if they don't get a deal done in season um jok would be a guy that they would potentially stick around what's the number andrew on linebacker right now you have that in front of you still. I don't know if you do.
2: I do still have it here, Jake. It is uh twenty-two and a half, twenty well no, twenty-two and three quarters. So almost twenty-three million dollars.
1: <laughs> line that has to be like the guys labeled as outside linebackers, right? I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna like the in, yeah. the, it's inside, the second
2: highest one in the league. Yeah, that's tricky. So that's not happening.
1: <laughs> no, because no, no, that's not happening. I wonder I wonder how it goes for it. Have we seen recently an inside linebacker get tagged? i don't I, think so i don't know that we have either kind of off the cuff i, I that's so. that, that, that's a tricky um classification of position i know Edmonds got a big contract and we know that roquan smith got a big contract but nothing like like edge players are getting like it's not even in the ballpark of
2: those. yeah Ro, roquan's cap numbers do get into the high 20s i mean he'll be he'll be restructured at that point or extended but uh his cap numbers in 25 is twenty two and a half, and a half and then 27 and a half and 26 and 27. So that's the only player that's in that sort of neighborhood.
1: It's interesting, man. I don't, I, you know, if it's, if that's the number JOK, that doesn't even come into play. So if it's more like the safety number, like the 16 or running backs 12 and it's more like 15 or something like that, then, then maybe it does. But uh, I, I like to think that the Browns find a way to get that done, but that's the only name that's looming unless like, Jedrick Wills has a great season, an unbelievable turnaround, right? That's, that's one that is uh, possible and worth mentioning. Greg Newsom's fifth year option, which will be decided on this off season is at 12 million as a, the guy in a playing time incentive situation. So that's another one looming in the, in the sort of option or um, franchise tag window. So anyway, that's it. Thanks for stopping by hanging out guys. Appreciate you. Uh, We will check back in with another podcast for you on the podcast feed tomorrow. Um, including this, and then we're going to have some linebacker review mixed in there as well. So check that out. Thanks for hanging out. Appreciate you guys. Andrew and I both thank you for coming by and hanging out. And you know, we end with the usual. Go Browns.